0: episodes i've been talking a little bit about near-death experiences i've been talking about a new term that came to me uh that that i really like which is default reality i think that's i think that's fantastic um i don't know how to really put into words you know i mean obviously i don't know how to put things into words most of my stuff is just rambles Um, But I try to be cohesive and I try to sort of make things make sense. And if you guys get a piece of it here and there, I think that's great. Um, I know that every single time I talk about it, I get a little bit better at it. I get a little bit more, I guess, self-aware of what it is (laughs) that I'm trying to convey. I have a million thoughts inside my head. They're in there uh, and they're cohesive in there. But it's hard to get them out, and I'm sure some of you can relate to that, because there are so many arguments that can be stated for any point that's being made. And again, back to the Roe v. Wade thing. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who I had known as a kid. We were kids. We grew up together. haven't talked to her in forever. And I put the thing up on Roe v. Wade, which was just kind of an opinion, a thought, an ideology. And it's funny because this person who doesn't really overly know me that well now decided that it was okay to lash out. And when I came back with logic, it was a disappearance. Now, I'm not mad at her, blaming her, pointing any fingers or anything like that. Honestly, I could care less. It's It's an interaction in that sense. What catches my attention is the engagement, the desire to be outraged, and the desire to lash out. I mean, in what world is it okay for you to approach anyone with aggression based on your opinion? You know, that's the world that we live in. So the answer to that question is this world, the one that we're currently in. This is what happens. This is, this is the entitlement nature. People believe that they're entitled to say anything they fucking want to you. Imagine that. And what's the outcome? What's the desired outcome? Do you want to be enraged as a society? Are we looking for something to make us angry? Is this what we want to feel? Is this the, 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 what we're pursuing? Does it make us feel better to lash out and be done with it? Lash out and retort? Lash out, be aggressive, and then what? Then have everybody see things your way and bow down to you for being almighty? Do you have the ability to even, at that point, accept that the person has then changed their narrative or thought process or mind and is in complete agreement with you? Our minds can't even handle that. So... There is this interesting, I guess, ethos, aura, ambiance. Whatever you want to say, however you want to say. I'm not 100% sure what it would be. But I am of the opinion that we can challenge this. So those that want to do the free thinking... Uh, will forever be in their own minds of the free thinking. And for those that want to challenge the free thinker, that's, I guess, a piece of free thought. So in other words, if you're going to go against the grain, as it were, quote unquote, fingers in the air, people are going to lash out at you, clap out at you. Are you going to pay attention to any of them? No. Are you going to pay attention to some of them? Perhaps, depending on the history that you have with them, the lineage that you have with them, wherever you stand on whatever you stand. But does anyone have the right or the ability to get through to a free thinker? The answer to that question is yes. And these are the people that have a higher thought, a higher thought value, not value, sorry, a higher thought vibration. Since again, I doubt that it's our brains that are having Thoughts. I'm not sitting here thinking about shit. Honestly, I'm not. I am in a position and we all are in a position where our brains, much like the radio in your car, the radio in your car is not producing the music. We're just tapping into a frequency and relaying it to your earballs. And I firmly believe that that's what's going on with the brain, the pile of goo inside your head. You're not having your own thoughts. You're tapped into a frequency. And sometimes that frequency is outrage, you know, especially when you're living in the third dimension and you believe that you're a unique individual who is a one-off automaton entity traveling in this vast expanse all by yourself, yada, yada, but getting past that thought process and getting into uh, an understanding of, uh, I guess, unity. You know, when you replace scarcity and division with unity and abundance, kind of a lot of shit changes inside your head, which again brings me back to the NDE, which is where I'm going with this, the near-death experience. When you're trapped, trapped in the third dimension, you barely even know it, you know, and you guys can attest to this. You guys have all sort of stepped through something and come through something and grown through something and been somewhere and done something and experienced something. Hard to even explain this to your friends. I don't understand it. How can they understand If I don't understand what I'm doing, how can they understand what I'm doing? Nobody understands me. Not even myself, right? That's, these are the thoughts that we have. But then again, the more we push, the more we think, the more we fight for what we truly believe and the more we understand that we're literally observing ourselves do these things. So to those stuck in the third dimension, and I don't think that's any of you guys. I think that you guys are definitely breaking out of and seeing and becoming aware of. I mean, it's it's incredible some of the stuff that goes on, uh, some of the interactions that I have with you guys. Um, I, I'm, I'm blown away more times than not. Sometimes I'm blown away. I, I'm no longer blown away in a negative sense. I mean, I see that shit now, and it's like I'm happy when it doesn't come, but when it does come, it's like everything's going to come. Every time you push the envelope, everything's going to come. So how do you have a thought on quote-unquote Roe v. Wade? How do you have a thought on um, altering or, or, or putting out there the thing that you want to think about? For me, with regards to this, and again, this isn't even going to go in the title because it's so controversial, it's meaningless, the Roe v. Wade thing. Every single person that you could ever talk to about this is going to tell you something from their standpoint which is basically the amount of knowledge that they've already taken in. And every single person that I have encountered with this wants to talk about women's rights. And the funny thing is this has nothing to do with women's rights, right? Now, abortion and this and that and all these opinions, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. But Roe v. Wade, the thing that's in the media right now, the distraction that's in the media right now, the main purpose of Roe v. Wade is the overall government used to have a say in what goes on with the abortion. Now the overall government says, no, we're leaving it up to the state. That is literally what Roe v. Wade, that was the overturning of Roe v. Wade. It's no longer up to the government. It's no longer a blanket statement. It's up to the state. So whatever state you live in sets their own rules, that's Roe v. Wade. To watch the people argue these points, I get it. My point with Roe v. Wade is the government itself and the entity that has been quote-unquote oppressing us or appearing to be our best friend and everything is a system and we all pay our taxes and we're all so thankful for our roads and our school systems, indoctrination camps, that we don't bat an eye at this stuff. But now we've got things that are constantly pushing the narrative. Right? So now you're seeing things. I'm seeing things from a completely different perspective. People are saying things they are coming out a certain way. The, the words they're using are identical to the words I would use, but they're seeing it in a negative connotation, whereas an, I'm seeing it as a positive connotation. Roe v. Wade 2 means, like the overturning of Roe v. Wade to a lot of people means uh, right out the gate, women can't get abortions. And that's kind of an interesting thing because that's, you know, in, in the eyes of, I don't want to say God, but in the eyes of the the ethos, the system, that's one less murder. Now, this is where you get into debates. Right? You know the person that's not doesn't have eyeballs or an arm or if the baby can't give you a finger you know whatever it's not a real human it's not this it's not that which is where everybody has their own truth their own opinion because every single person that's going to tell you when a baby is a baby they're telling you their truth So I understand that argument as well and at no point would I challenge their arguments. I mean you're entitled to your opinion 100% I'm entitled to mine. The cool thing about both of us having a different opinion, is that we're on a different frequency and, you know, with the right tonality, we can connect and be like, Hey man, what's this all about? So without being aggressive, you know, without, without attacking each other, lashing out, how dare you have an opinion? That isn't my opinion. There's a meme floating around and it says, people don't want to hear your opinion. They want to hear their opinion coming out of your mouth. And I'm like, that's so true. That's so true. And a lot of echo chambers start that way. And a lot of echo chambers and poorly. Uh, I like the idea of being able to freely think about certain things and, and talk about certain things and be able to understand certain things. I mean, there's a truth. In the state of New York, man, you could abort this child right up until the minute it's born. Like you're, you know, the head might be breaching soon. Ah, let's abort. That was a thing, man. That was a thing. You know, obviously there were circumstances and obviously there's more to that story, but that was a thing. So it's abortion before it comes out. Immediately after it's out, if you chuck it out of the hospital window, it's murder. I mean, where's the line drawn? Well, it's a legal it's a legal drawing. It becomes a human once it's outside. I don't know about that. So how do I... I mean, do I have my opinions? Yeah, I'm, I'm anti-murder. I'm anti-murder in a lot of things. Now everyone's going to have their opinion on that too. And I appreciate everyone's opinion. And I appreciate where everyone's coming from. And I agree with all of the arguments. Isn't that weird? I'm allowed to agree with all of the arguments while holding my own opinion. It's one of those things where if done and handled properly, this entire topic could really ultimately change the way we view the people making us dance like puppets. And that to me is the ultimate conversation. And that to me is the one thing that I really like the most about this entire scenario and this entire situation. And I come from that, again, from, from being in, in sort of a fifth dimensional mindset. And a fifth dimensional mindset, you know, a lot of, a lot of things will, will push you there. There's a lot of things that take place that get you, I guess, free of certain proclivities, free of certain fears, free of scarcity. You know, there's this thing where we're, you know, we sit around and we debate. And, and, and my near-death experience was an interesting one. Because the way the mind works, whether you think it's real or it is real, quote unquote, and you know, let's we can get into that definition of what real is, right? But if your mind tells you it's real, if your mind tells you it's real, then it's real. Right? You get the same reaction, you get the same adulation all throughout your entire body as of something that is real. You get the same experience and everything like that because your mind has convinced you that it's real and your body reacts accordingly. It's like flinching, right? If somebody throws a rock at your head or pretends to throw a rock at your head, your body does the same thing. So my near-death experience was actually not even a near-death experience, as was my understanding, but then that story changed as well. So the NDE that I'm referring to is when I had my gallbladder, when I had my gallbladder issues, my gallstones, the whole nine yards. And typically... You know, I didn't know that there was anything wrong with me, and that was the weird thing. I didn't know that there was a problem, and and they talk about kidney stones and gallstones are are the hardest things that you'll ever have to pass. And sometimes the the gallbladder will will collect stones, and sometimes it'll collect sludge, but rarely, very rarely, will it collect both. And that's what happened to me. So one day at like I don't know eleven thirty at night, I well actually the flash forward to two weeks earlier. I had this, I was in bed and I got woken up by this weird pain in my lower back and I couldn't get back to sleep. And it was just this, this awkward pain in my lower back, which almost then kind of felt like indigestion and gas. So I drank a whole bottle of Pepto and went back to sleep. And like that worked and I didn't think anything of it. And then two weeks later, 1130 rolls around at night. And I'd been, no, it's more like, yeah, 1130. And I'd been in bed, something happened. And I was I was in bed earlier that night, I passed at like 10 o'clock. So I woke up at 1130 and I've got this weird pain in my back and it's discomforting. It's uncomfortable. And then like a metal snake, I felt it sort of rotate around to the front of my chest. And I'm like, well, this is awkward. So for a few minutes or for about 20 minutes, I was like, this is a really bad and weird pain. And then I felt it shift around to the front. And then I felt what seemed to be like uh I guess the best way I can describe it is it'd be like a, a metal hand grabbing the bottom half of my heart. And that's, that's what it felt like. And so I'm like, okay, well, look, I'm, you know, I can walk this off. I can shake this off. I don't know what this is. And I had just done a podcast with one of my good friends, Randy Spencer on heart attacks. He had just had a heart attack. And so I literally sat there and I like, I listened to it. You know, I come from the generation where they're like, walk it off, man, walk it off. All men are taught to just walk it off, whatever it is. So I'm like, I'm not going to bother anybody. I'm not going to go to the hospital. I'm not going to do nothing. I'm just going to walk this off. Anyway, uh, I couldn't walk it off. I couldn't walk it off at all. And I listened to this podcast. Now I'm, now I'm in pain for quite a few, about two, two hours or so. And it's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And then I got this like spike pain. Where it's like my heart started skipping a beat, and then it wouldn't it wouldn't re-regulate, and that was really peculiar. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm in trouble. So I called what we have up here called telehealth, where which isn't quite nine one one, but it's it's the one below it. Um, and telehealth, uh, they asked me some questions, and they said, okay, we're gonna send an ambulance out. And literally within minutes, there was an ambulance at my house. But I remember the I remember the situation, and I'm standing there, and I've got it like I'm I'm it's the middle of the night. I'm I'm in my boxers. And I remember, and this is my near, this is my NDE. There was a moment in time where I was standing there, and I was in such, such a weird state of pain that I'd never experienced before. And it, like it wasn't like my my threshold for pain is massive, and this wasn't hurting me, you know, per se. It was just such an awkward pain that it was scary, and I was legitimately scared. I was scared for my life, and that's it's one of those things where you know you hear about people dying young and you hear about this sort of stuff and at the time I'm only 40 years old and I was scared and that's one of those things that like I said that 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 is is awkward it's this it's this pain on your heart and then it's this pain in your head and then it's hyperventilation and then it's anxiety through the roof which does not help the heart situation but i stood there And my personal NDE was deciding at this moment in time, and my brain had calculated my odds of making it out of this at this moment in time. And my brain was right because this is my brain, whether it's right or it's wrong at that moment in time, it's right. And I had just come through a lot of stressful situations. The past two years of my life were were a huge buildup. I had just come from massive amounts of pain from getting over sciatica, which lasted way too long, over a year. Uh, it was bed crippling and, and and mentally you know shattering to a lot of things, shattered a lot of illusions, and now I'm faced with this with this kidney stone or this gallstone sorry, this gallstone which is a which is a bunch of gallstones and it's sludge, and I was to later find out that it was actually gangrenous, so when they went in there, uh, I'll get to that in a second. So now I'm standing here at my personal NDE, which is me standing in front of a selection of pants, jeans, what am I going to put on? And I stood there and I decided, well, if I'm going to die, I'm wearing these pants. (laughs) And that day I chose my death pants. Cause that's how the brain works. So I made that decision. I said, I'm going out in these pants. That's it. And I put the pants on. My heart was freaking out. I got upstairs. The ambulance was here. They asked me some questions, hooked me up to a monitor and then said, well, it's not a heart attack, but you're definitely coming with us. So I was like, okay, that's cool. Right? Keep in mind, I'd already decided that if I don't make it out, if I don't make it back here, these are the pants I'm going to die. And if I don't make it back to my house. And this changed fundamentally kind of how I view tiny issues, proclivities that, that take place throughout the earth, you know, throughout our daily experience as a human. Now I get into the hospital and. What I thought was pain at the first has, again, rotated off my heart now. I guess they gave me some meds or something like that. That gripping hand of death on my heart wasn't there anymore. But it had gone back into my uh, in, into my lower back and into my upper back. And the pain was, basically, it was like somebody had run rebar right through my body. And that's where I was. I was 50% like going to pass out. I was strapped to this gurney and they're trying to admit me. And I said to the one doc, I'm like, you've got to let me off this fucking gurney. I'm going to shit my pants. I'm going to puke all over the place. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to faint. I'm, I can't sit here. I'm in so much pain. Please let me stand up and move around. And he's like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. I was just, there's the bathroom. Just, just let me go to the bathroom and monitor the bathroom. If I fall, you'll hear me thud and hit the ground. I'm in so much utter pain. And then they put me in. They finally admit me, and I get I get walked in. And I'm like, hey, they like, here, sit on this." I sit down. I'm freaking out. I'm in I'm in this weird, weird, weird pain. It's not scared pain anymore because they got the doctor said no heart attack, so it's not scared pain anymore. It's just this awkward, weird, what the hell pain. It's all inside my body. Flash forward, I ended up uh, <laughs> violently throwing up, and then they put me in a bed, and then from the bed they wheeled me into, uh, um. Uh, ultrasound room I couldn't think of the word and the, 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 the nurse, the ultrasound tech gave me the, uh, the, the, full rundown on my gallbladder and all that sort of stuff. They put me back into my own room in emerge and they gave me some painkillers and then they took me out of the, the room and emerge and put me in a chair for about seven hours. So I was sitting in a chair in admittance in emerge. But they gave me some really good drugs and I was doped up and, and basically asleep the whole time and until the drugs, until the bag wore empty, and then I was immediately back, immediately awake, and immediately in pain. Now my surgery is scheduled for 10 a.m., which is, you know, incredible. So I go in and they, you know, they see this thing as, as a major issue. They go in and they clean it up. What's supposed to be typically these surgeries are in and out the door. And what's supposed to be, you know, uh, a 40-minute surgery and then recovery and sent home that same day, I was under for just over four hours, I believe. And uh, I ended up spending uh, six days altogether, five or six days altogether in the hospital under extreme amounts of pain. As what had happened again, like I said earlier, was that it had turned gangrenous, which means had I left it or had the pain shifted off of me, um, my insides, the insides of my body would have eaten themselves out. And, and that would have it it been nasty. So my NDE was that I thought I was having a heart attack and I didn't think I was going to make it home. A true NDE that my body went through, so, uh, unbeknownst to me consciously, was that I almost died from A, from the infection, and B, from four hours being on the table. And so the doctors held me for days for observation and didn't tell me why they were holding me. But it didn't matter because I was on extreme amounts of drugs, drugs galore. And the only thing I was really mad at was they made me do that COVID testing where they swabbed my nose because at the time I was so anti-COVID, anti-narrative, anti-this, that, and the other thing I'd seen through certain things. I I wasn't, sorry, I shouldn't say I was anti-COVID at the time because COVID hadn't really hit full swing it was just a weird propaganda thing at this moment in time. You know, what's his name in the basketball court had just touched all the mics and they had just shut down the NBA. And that's when I went in. So I have this perspective and coming out of the hospital, coming out of the hospital, this is where the term default reality really sets in for me because I started to wake up to certain things. Now there was a time where I was awake, um, where I was, like before, the, before this all went down, I, I was obviously questioning things. I mean, I questioned all kinds of stuff. I, uh, you know, I, the, con- the term conspiracy theorist was definitely circling around my ethos. But what happened after that was I, I understood that these things were factual. I understood certain things were solid and that the manipulation was huge. And it sort of kept growing from there. So the conversations that I have with people obviously altered and they changed and they adapted to certain things that were entertaining to say the least, because again, you're talking to a lot of people who, yeah, they're, they're waking up and they're seeing things, but there's that final push that final, like there's, I mean, that NDE was, was, was massive. And the amount of drugs that they had me on, I was seeing weird things and having weird conversations in my sleep. Um, and considering too, that I had given up drinking, uh, three years prior, uh, drinking and all drugs, all recreation, I would stoned sober up until I went to the hospital and they doped me up immediately, which I'm thankful for. Don't get me wrong. You know? And that was, you know, that was a huge, huge thing, um, to sort of have, have that perspective on again, sobriety and then pain meds and this, that, and the other thing, like there's no way in hell that was ever going to go down without the pain meds. I remember at one point. The doc had just put a new bag on and I was, I was, this is before surgery. So I was in the most excruciating pain. It, it was an amalgamation of pain. Like I was in so much pain. I was like, quit it. I was like, just quit it. Just let it stop. Just quit it. Like, I don't even know what I meant, but that was what was going through my head. Just quit. Just stop. Just stop. Like I give, I tap. I'm giving up. I remember that in the hospital bed. So they doubled down on my dose. And she says to me afterwards, she goes, the amount that we gave you would have knocked at a horse and you were screaming in pain. She said, it was weird. It was weird and you were weird. I'm like, I don't doubt that. Uh, I wish it was on camera. Man, looking back on it now, maybe I don't wish it was on camera. It wasn't on camera. I'm just saying. Would have been weird to watch, you know, the drugged out, possessed version of myself demanding that I quit whatever it is I'm doing. But all that to say, my story having gone through a certain awakening certain understandings certain comprehensions of the world the reality in in which we reside allows me to see certain things allows me to see that yeah i was right about a lot of stuff and that it was a continuation and, and constantly growing pushed me into certain places and certain ideologies and thought processes and pushed me into certain conversations um and i can i can look at it and i can say i remember a point in time where i was so frustrated with the fact that we've been lied to about everything. I didn't know what to do with it all. And then the NDE took place and it was two of them. It was, it was the conscious NDE where I was picking my pants. And then it was the, the uh, subconscious NDE where my body literally almost died. My body almost cut out and my body isn't, it's not mine. I don't own my body. I'm currently wearing it. I, the essence that is me is, is existing in this entity, this body, this meat suit. Much like when you're scuba diving, you aren't the scuba suit, but you need it to survive underneath the apparatus and all that stuff. So when my body almost shut down, it got, it pushed me into a, a, a true comprehension of, I guess, existential truths. And that is a fascinating perspective to have where absolutely everybody is right Because everybody that's talking to you about everything that they're talking to you about are coming to you from literally their perspective. And there's a time in all of the arguments that you have with people and conversations that you have with people that for the most part, 99% of every conversation that we have is us waiting for them to stop talking so we can interject our points. As opposed to trying to fabricate an an ideology, comprehension, as to where they're coming from. And when we can understand them a little bit better, we can take that information and merge it in with us and merge it in with our minds. And just like 200 episodes from now, I'll have an entirely, I don't say an entirely different perspective, but I'll certainly have all that more time under my belt of me collecting new information and new understanding and new comprehensions of the world around me, which will change my reality from here, right? But the cool thing is, every reality and every layer and everything that you can jump into and every every new understanding that you can jump to, we all started with the same base reality, our default reality. Wake up, put on your pants, go to school, learn about the Pythagorean theorem. Your mother goes to work, your father goes to work, the family unit is separated, everybody's indoctrinated and everybody's living miserably, paycheck to paycheck. Right, The freedom from breaking free from that and from understanding that there's so much more to all of this than that changes everything. So to be able to have a conversation on a fifth dimensional plane with somebody who's desperately trying to get there, I say this. Trying to find the fifth dimension, trying to find that higher elevation is a very daunting task. It's like a fish trying to find the water it's currently swimming in. Understanding and knowing that it's there and just letting it be there will eventually have you see it. Um, a lot of people get thrown into it and rushed into it. Uh, um, Maureen St. Germain talks about it in Waking Up in 5D. She says a lot of people get shocked into it at a young age and see things at a young age, which makes you you know, one of the clairvoyants, one of the people that always sees something differently. You're the person that never really fit in because you didn't understand why the cool kids were the cool kids and why the losers were the losers you know, whatever it was, whatever, however the hierarchy worked. You were above the hierarchy, right? And that pissed off a lot of people. And it also made us segregate because we're trying to play in this world. We're trying to play in the third dimension when we're already fourth dimensionally charged. And it says things about, she She goes on to say things about, you know, we've gone through, some people have gone through such traumas that they've skipped over their heart chakras. They skipped over the ability to be vulnerable. And that was absolutely me. That happened to me for sure. And when I was locked into the third dimension and breaking into the fourth and fifth I had to, I had this image. I had this thing that I had to procure. I had to be perceived a certain way. Uh, And then you sort of realize that it wasn't about, it wasn't about the way that you were perceived. It was about how you needed to perceive you. And the more you go down that road, the more you sort of see these things, the more you realize that every single person that's out there that's creating some sort of controversy for you is actually giving you an opportunity to overcome something in your life or to or to let go of. Uh, an ideology or a belief or like a limiting ideology, a limiting belief. Uh, Every point of, of um, conflict is an opportunity to grow. And when you sort of see these things from a fifth dimensional standpoint in a fifth dimensional state, like I said, some people crash into the fifth dimension An NDE is often something that will really wake somebody up to the fact that everything is as they've perceived it, but the way they see it and how they go about attaining what they need to attain can all change. Dropping scarcity and adapting abundance changes everything. Giving more than you take is huge. Asking what's in it for me gets replaced with how can I contribute? And these are small subtleties that absolutely change the way you live your life and change the way things are done. Now, I'm not saying everybody should get out there and do an NDE. Like, I would love to talk to anybody. If you've had an experience similar to this or if you've changed in a way because of something similar, call me. You know, Send us a text message, 647-338-1265. Come on the show say your piece. I know I'm not crazy and I know that I'm not alone in this statement. Um, It's, it's more and more prevalent. And the more I sort of drift down this road, the more I see people joining. I shouldn't say joining. I should say liberating themselves from an ideology. And when you're liberated from the ideology, you no longer have to get angry at certain things like, like the Roe v Wade thing. It can just be a, a topic of conversation. It can legitimately just be something where we all learn from it. I mean, one of the one of the craziest things that you'll hear right now with the Roe v. Wade thing is like, what gives you the right, a, to have an opinion or b, to speak on this sort of stuff? And the funny thing about every single person that says, "What gives you the right?" you know, it's the same thing that gives you the right to ask me, "What gives me the right?" for you to for you to be aggressive towards me and come at me with hate. What gives you the right? So. Being open to absolutely everything, understanding that we are at fault 99% of the time and accepting our role in how our life is progressing literally changes how we perceive the world. There are so many layers and so many levels that I have not attained yet and and so many people that won't even talk to me right now because I'm nowhere near where they are uh, mentally, spiritually, however you want to look at it. Um, But I'm working my ass off to get up there. And you guys are all with me on the journey. And any way I can help any of you at any time, please do reach out. There's so much more coming in this world. And there's so much more in this reality that can change everything. And there are so many more opinions. You know, There's an opinion that it's just me. I'm here and all of you are just, to add to my experience, um, there's the soul contracts where you enter this realm with 8 to 10 people. And those eight to 10 people are your true people in this world and in this reality. And you're all here to learn a lesson and you all picked this, uh, this before you got here. Um, and the rest of the people are NPCs designed background characters to make your life better, to make your experience here better, to make this more enjoyable. There's the theory of uh, reincarnation that every single person on this planet is another version of you having been reincarnated at some point. There's the theory that everything's happening all at once, which means again, you are everybody at all times, experiencing everything from individual points of view. That's kind of a neat one too. So if you are the universe and you are experiencing everything, then you get to experience being on the negative side and the positive side of an argument. And I don't mean the right and the wrong side. I mean the negative charge and the positive charge. You get to experience what it's like to be a mob. You get to experience what it's like to be overrun. You get to experience what it's like to overrun. And you get to experience it all at once. You can step out of these ideologies you can step out of these mindsets all of these things these possibilities these realms this world that we live in you know best thing i can say it is and i've said this before is it's got to be a simulation we're in some sort of a computer and we're we're experiencing this right and every single person that believes every single thing that they believe about where we are and what we're doing that's right that's right to them and it's not us it's not up to us to, to change that it's up to us to grow and find ours and, and learn more about the path and journey that we need to be on and the path and journey that we want to be on Because eventually we're going to get to a place that changes everything, which will be what appears to be death when this ends and it ends for everybody. When this does end, you know, we get the opportunity to, to see certain things. I found out earlier today that, uh, an old friend of mine, uh, passed away, took his own life. And, I don't know if it's a hundred percent sure. Uh, I've got, I, I did a little bit of research on it, and I found a few things. But it's, I mean, it would be a weird joke if it wasn't a hundred percent true. Um, I'm not going to mention his name because I don't have a hundred percent proof. Uh, but I will say to you, brother, uh, rest easy. Uh, I'm sorry that you chose this way out, uh, and I hope that whatever came after this was what you were expecting. Uh, and I hope that you're doing well now in whatever reality that you find yourself in. And to the rest of you, um, man, don't take life for granted and don't get angry. I mean, anger is a is a thing, sure. right? But don't live in anger. Don't allow it to <laughs> make you lose your hair, you know? That's all egoic bullshit. You don't need to be in a spot where you're, I'm so frustrated, blah, blah, blah. Right? That's just egoic. And, you know, once you sort of drop that and once you can remove yourself from that, you see certain. you definitely see certain things a different way. Everything happens the way it happens and, and how you choose to react to it is entirely up to you and that's not me being facetious or condescending. It's just me saying to you every time that you sit there in that angry vibration and that division, I mean, I firmly believe that, you know, there's another there's another theory about this world and this realm that we're in and that and that the the, the powerful overlords are usurping our energy and they need us to be negative and low vibrational for them to do that. Uh, and if that's true, then, I mean, it's working. It, it's, it's, that seems to make a lot of sense. Like, why is everything that you've ever seen on television designed to make you afraid of anything. Yeah. Remember back in the seventies, you'd heard stories about people. We never locked our doors, right? But now all of those TV shows and movies about mass murderers and this, that, and the other thing, and serial killers has people locking their doors. It's also teaching people to be dark and degenerate. It's not art imitating life. It's life imitating art. It's, it's art being created, quote unquote, art being created uh, as propaganda. Uh, it's being it's a message and 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 we are very easily programmable humans it's too programmable i mean every single thing every single thought that we have even the language that i'm using right now to speak to you and it's not it's not our it's not our it's not our default right it's not it was invented and and somebody taught it to me and it's how i'm conveying what i'm conveying to you so it's not even our native tongue this language this language is is just another structure for limitation because if all i can do is talk to you as opposed to fly show you teleport all this other stuff whatever whatever else it could be i mean i'm limited i'm limited by that and that gets into another existential stance and point and all that sort of stuff but i am saying this there's a saying out there that says stand for something or fall for everything and i used to love that saying but when you stand for something you limit what else there could be Unless you stand for absolute and utter abundance, then that leaves room for everything to be exactly as it should be. And it leaves room for you to manipulate and maneuver through your life the way you need to for you on your journey. And it keeps grace open for everybody else that we interact with. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to me ramble on episode 202 of the Mental Mastery Alliance podcast. In the infamous words of Red Green, keep your stick on the ice. Thank you for listening to today's Mental Mastery Alliance podcast. Let the team know you're listening by using the hashtag MMA and Mental Mastery Alliance. Want more motivation? Be sure to follow online on Instagram at Mental Mastery Alliance and on Facebook at Mental Mastery Alliance. And remember, your perception creates your reality. Make it a great day. You got it, Pontiac.